today I am going to continue on in a series uh, that, that we have been in called Distortion. I, um, I have been particularly challenged by the Lord in this particular area of my, my own relationships with my family, my relationships with my coworkers. Uh, the Lord has really been speaking to me about uh, my about my thought life and about what goes on in my thought life. Have you have you ever been in a situation and uh, just out of nowhere, just a random thought just pops into your head, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" You ever you ever had that experience? Sometimes those random thoughts are are uh, it's good, like you know you're about to step in front of a car and something just tells you stop before you step out in traffic. That's good, right? That's good. But, but there are other times when that random thought, it's called an automatic thought, those automatic thoughts aren't necessarily such a good thing in our lives. Sometimes if left unchecked, those automatic thoughts can be unhelpful. Sometimes those automatic thoughts can convince us to step in front of the moving car. Sometimes those automatic thoughts can become barriers in our lives. We've been describing them as distortions. More accurately, we've been talking about specifically what are called thought distortions. So far, we've had two conversations on thought distortions, and we're going to continue today uh, talking about thought distortions, but we're going we're gonna to do it a little bit different. Instead of, of talking about it as we have before, we're going to, uh, we're going to look at a man in Scripture who was dealing uh, with distortion in his life. As with many of us, um, his thought distortions, the thought distortions that he was dealing with really came after a season of immense stress in his life. He had been on a bit of a, a, an emotional roller coaster over a long period of time. And after being under so much stress and being on an emotional roller coaster and his emotions uh, being taken to extreme highs and extreme lows, he found himself really getting trapped in distortion. And I, I related so much to this story because it's something that I feel like has happened to me in my life. In particular, what was going on was that he found himself in a, in a season where he was under tremendous threat. His personhood, his identity, and his physical body was under tremendous threat. And out of that threat, he became paralyzed with Distortion. You may recall from our previous messages, we have learned together that distortions are an interruption or twisting of the signal through misleading and false impressions that change the original intent. If you think about it in terms, of, so as a result, it was sound waves. Something interfered with that sound wave, and so as a result, it was distorted if you wave and so as a result what you there was something that fractured the light wave and so as a result what you're viewing is distorted the image uh, that kept coming to my mind have you any of you ever been to a, a carnival or a fun house where they have those crazy mirrors 
You know what I'm talking about? Uh, for a long time, I'm not sure if it's still still there. It's been a while since I, I've been, but at Gateway uh, on the top floor, right before you go up to where the movies are, they had that area of illusions in the middle of Gateway. Any of you see that? In one particular area, they had those crazy mirrors. And, and you know those crazy mirrors? You look in those crazy mirrors, and, and they make you really, really short. Or for some of us, shorter. <laughs> or they make you really, really, well, never mind. Right? You've seen those. It's a distortion that somehow, because of the way that mirror is shaped, it's distorts what you view or what you see and if you focus and if you believe that that is true about you then all of a sudden you've bought into this reality that isn't real at all we've looked at philippians chapter 4 and romans chapter 12 from the perspective of our thought lives both of these passages really apply and talk a lot about our thought lives i'd encourage you if uh, if you haven't already, you can go on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and you can download the North Place app. On the North Place app, you can listen to our previous messages. If you weren't here uh, when we did Distortion 1 and 2, I would encourage you uh, to go on the app and download those messages and listen to them. You can also find them um, on on our website or you can find them on our social media streams but if you watch them you'll get caught up with what we've been talking about so far so far we have learned that our peace is found through replacing distorted thoughts with an authentic self-image in Christ that I find peace peace of mind peace in my heart and spirit peace from those things that are plaguing me as I understand as I replace distorted thoughts with an authentic self-image in Christ also we have learned that getting unstuck in my own head means that I actively respond to negativity it's not like I just passively allow an unchecked thought life to define me. When an unchecked or when a thought comes into my mind that's not connected to reality or what I have to actively, rather than just passively letting it go, what we've learned through scripture is that I have to actively about me resist thoughts that are not connected to the truth of what God has said about me. Well, those, those concepts are... They're easy to say amen to. They're easy to say, yeah, I believe that. They're easy to embrace, but really they're hard to live out. They're, they're easy to say amen to because no one wants to be stuck in their own head. No one wants to constantly be battling negative thoughts that make us feel like a loser or that makes us feel like we're not good enough or, or makes us feel like everybody hates us and nobody likes us. No one wants to be stuck in that negative place. And yet how many times, how many times do we get stuck there? It's hard to break a distortion field. It's hard to break that pattern of a broken self-image. It's hard to break that pattern of what a negative self-esteem can do to you. 
It's hard to break that pattern of things that have been imprinted on you as a result of abuse or brokenness or neglect in your life. It's hard to break. It's almost like some of you are way too old to remember this, but there used to, there was a show. I think they've come out with 67 versions of it since then called Star Trek. <laughs> Any of you remember Star Trek? I don't know anything about all the new Star Treks, but when I was younger, there was this the original Star Trek, and and you know things things were crazy on that show. But there was a moment; all it, it seemed to happen all the time. They had all kinds of technology, but they couldn't seem to ever overcome the tractor beam. Do you remember the tractor? Oh, Captain, he's got us in our tractor beam. So they were sucking you in through the tractor beam. And once they locked that tractor beam on you, you couldn't get free. Any of you remember that? I'm giving her all she's got, Scotty. (laughs) The tractor beam. Well, that's how it feels to me like a distortion field is. That's how it feels to me like distorted thoughts are it's like something that sucks me in and no matter how bad I want to be free no matter how bad I want to think differently I want to believe differently I want my life to be different I don't want to react that way to people it just seems like I'm constantly sucked back in to those destructive thoughts and patterns in my life two months ago on the first Sunday of May we looked at a miracle that occurred in the book of 1 Kings. We looked at chapter 18 of a specific miracle that took place. Uh, God used a prophet by the name of Elijah to literally birth revival among his people. Do you remember when we talked about 1 Kings chapter 18? 1 Kings chapter 18 is an unbelievable, unbelievable story. It's an unbelievable time in which God does such a, um, how can I put it, such an obvious miracle that was so, so big and so huge that it seems like it would have been undeniable to anyone at any time in history. And yet, in spite of what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18, when you turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, you start to read about a man who was stuck in distortion you read about a man who had experienced an unbelievable undeniable miracle and yet found himself at a place of utter defeat where he wanted to die we read our bibles often and we read them like a highlight reel and we don't stop to consider that the people that were in these stories were actual actual real people with real emotions with 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 real psychological and physiological needs just like you and I have I mean you take as an example Elijah who we're talking about in 1 Kings chapter 18 and chapter 19 he was used by God to perform this incredible uh, miracle it was unimaginable for many of us to have fire come from heaven and, and and to be in a place in which God would in such a demonstrative way show his glory and power and yet Elijah was miracle was a human just like us in spite of his miracle he found himself at a place of loss. First thing that I want you to see this morning is as it relates to thought distortions, as it relates to patterns of thinking and behaving in our lives, we have to understand, and we're taught so clearly from the life of Elijah, that a change of fortune 
does not mean a change of identity. What do you mean? What do you mean, pastor? Well, here's what I mean. There there are many of us who have embraced the idea that if some certain thing will happen in my life, then it will change everything and it will change all of my relationships. We have believed that if I could have a change of fortune, then I'm going to have a change of identity. If I get if I get the degree, then everybody will esteem me. When I when I get that master's degree, then everybody will know. Hello? If I get that job, then then mom will finally be pleased with me and she'll get off my back. Hello? Dad will finally approve. I'll finally feel like I've made it. See, we've been talking about identity a lot in this series because so much of overcoming distortion is tied to having a clear view of oneself. By clear view of oneself, I'm talking about a biblical view of oneself. The distortion that many of us struggle with is is directly tied to how we see ourselves and how we believe others see us. As I mentioned in the last two two messages uh, on this particular series, I went through ten different thought distortions that plague many of us. We're going to see them at work in Elijah's life. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story in chapter 18. Elijah's had a showdown on Mount Carmel with with the prophets of Baal. He taunted them and said, call down fire, and they couldn't call down fire. And, and, And then he prayed, and fire came down from heaven. After that, he prayed, and there was an incredible miracle that came and rained after a three year drought. God had shown up. And yet here is Jezebel saying, you know what? You know, that God who was impotent, who was powerless, who couldn't answer with fire. I'm going to call on them, and they're going to come and get you. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Explain that to me. The The gods that you had just had a showdown with, who couldn't answer, are now being used to threaten you. And instead of you having confidence, instead of you boldly responding, you run and hide. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors will support you drives you to loneliness and it drives you away from the people who will support you get that please don't life-giving relationship notice the pattern distortion always drives you from life-giving relationships 
Distortion drives you away from the people who are in your life who are there to serve you. I can always tell when people are entering into and living in their distortion because they run from relationship. They run from the church. I stop seeing you around here when you enter into distortion. Oh, I just need some time for myself. I just need some time with my thoughts. I just need some... No, what you're doing is you're entering into distortion. You're believing the lies, which is driving you away from life-giving relationships. The pattern is always the same. When you go down the road of distortion, you're driven away from those who will speak truth into you and who will serve you and who will bring life to you. You isolate yourself so that you can continue to feed yourself the lie of the enemy. Because here's the deal, when you're intera interacting with people who are healthy and love you, what does it do? It interrupts the distortion. It denies the distortion. It tells you something isn't true beside what the distortion is telling you. And so there's no way to stay connected to those who are bringing life into you and to also believe the distortion. Like a tractor beam, we're sucked into the lie. Like a tractor beam, we're sucked away from safety and care and nurture and challenge and those who speak truth to us. We're sucked toward the lie that says, well, I'm just like my ancestors. I'm a failure. I'm a terrible prophet. I'm unsuccessful. Look at what I've done. How crazy to read this story in retrospect all of these years later. How crazy it is that in chapter 18, the dude called down fire. He called out rain. And just a few days later, I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm a failure of a prophet. I have failed God. I have failed God's people. I'm all by myself is what he's about to say to God. Yet he's been running from relationship. Always the same pattern. This happened over and over and over again. It's always the same pattern. Someone experiences something tremendous, something incredible, and it seems like, oh, the pattern is broken. God's going to use them in an incredible way, and they're triggered. And in that moment when they're triggered, they have to make a choice. Am I going to respond to the trigger? Am I going to believe the Jezebel? Am I going to bow to the Ahab? Am I going to run and hide because an impotent God's have been said that they're going to come and get me. Gods that have been proven to be false and untrue and powerless and not capable. Am I going to believe them over God who has shown up in my life and quite frankly has shown off? Elijah has just experienced one of the most epic miracles you could think of. There was fire. There was the taunting of the enemy. There was a man's hand, sized hand that turned into a giant rain, torrential rainstorm that broke a three-year drought. I mean, he had experienced something bigger than you and I could ever think or imagine. And yet in a moment's notice, 
In a moment's notice, he was willing to embrace the identity of a failure, as someone who no one liked, no one loved, no one wanted to see, no one wanted to be a part of, all because there was a stubborn person who wasn't going to believe in God no matter what. Jezebel was proven wrong, and yet she was unwilling to ever, 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 ever believe truth. And so instead of living his truth, he embraced her lie. Isn't it interesting how a familiar lie becomes more comfortable to us than a God-declared truth? Isn't it interesting how those who are stubborn, how those who have rejected God, those who don't love him and don't love us, have more power and sway over how we're going to live our lives and the decisions we make and how we view and we see ourselves, have more sway over us than God does? Isn't it fascinating as someone who's in such rebellion against God? would determine how I view myself, how I feel about myself, and how I feel God feels about me? That I would believe them instead of believing God? Look, we all know that it's not good when Jezebel speaks up. It's not a good thing, and, and perhaps on another, on another day, uh, we, can, we can talk about dealing with liars and manipulators. We can talk about how we process those who use sexuality and lust for power to snare us. How, how our attention is captured by those who, who have distorted the ways of God and how he created and designed us to tempt us into our lust for power and our need for control. It's funny how the enemies of the, ta the, the, the tactics of the enemy, they, they really have not changed uh, since the beginning. He's used the thirst for power, for personal autonomous power. He's used it from the beginning, from the garden. He's twisted our sexuality in particular because that is one of our, our most vulnerable places to force us into this, into this place where we, we must be validated and we must be valued and therefore we must have freedom of expression and our power must be proved. Jezebels are real and that same uh, demonic power uh, that existed from Genesis chapter 3 that existed in 1 Kings chapter 19. It exists today. Like I said, on another, another day, we'll talk about that more in detail. But what I want you to see from, from Elijah's life, from 1 Kings chapter 19, is that sustained seasons of threat rewires our minds. And that's exactly, that's exactly where Elijah was. You may say, how, how so, pastor? What, is that, what does that look like? Well, well, think about it. See, Elijah had been running for his life for several years. He had been hiding from Ahab for several years. We know that because you go back and you read the story before Ahab had sent people to go find him, to bring him to him because he wanted to kill him. Because he blamed Elijah for the lack of rain. He blamed Elijah for what was going on. So Elijah had been living 
under threat for many, many years. He had been hiding in caves. He had been hiding with widows. He had been hiding out for years. He had been living under the pressure and the stress of all of these things weighing on him. And when you and I find ourselves caught in seasons of tremendous threat, we have to understand that our brains, this isn't just hypothetical talk, it literally is the case, our brains rewire us to deal with and to cope with the threat that we are under, whether it's a physical threat, whether it's a, 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 an emotional threat, when we're under threat, our first thing physically happens in us and chemically happens in us to cause us to cope. Our bodies, our minds are incredible, incredible mechanisms that were created to cope. But see, the problem is, when you've been coping for a long time, when you've been fighting for survival for a long time, those neural pathways are created in your life and they become like old worn footpaths. And they're always there. They're always there. They're always there. And if you try to go another direction mentally or emotionally or when we're spiritually determined a new direction in our life, oftentimes we'll cross those old neural pathways and like an old worn path, they're just comfortable to us. And before we know it, we get right back on that old worn path. When a new threat arises, we, we go back to that old worn path. There are many of us in our lives emotionally have, that have old worn paths, old coping mechanisms for how we dealt with the rejection of a parent or how we dealt with the abuse or, or how we dealt with that, that time when over our life in school we were made fun of over and over and over again. Some of us have developed old neural pathways and they're like worn paths. And then later in life, whenever we're confronted with something that triggers, hello, that old feeling or that old thought, we automatically, remember automatic thoughts, we automatically go back to that neural pathway. We go back to those defense mechanisms, those ways of thinking, those ways of reacting, those protective pathways in our life see distortion paralyzes us when we are when we are triggered by defeated threats Jezebel had been defeated the gods the gods that she was worshiping had been defeated the day before. They had been proven impotent. They had been proven powerless. Just right before this, Elijah had demonstrated who the true God of Israel was. And listen, Israel had responded. Israel had rallied. They had taken those prophets and they had killed those prophets. It had been proven that God was God. And all yet all it took was a a threat. All it took was a threat. And where did he go back to? Well, I guess I'm a failure. I guess I'm not a good enough prophet to bring the people into revival and renewal. I guess I'm still not enough. I guess that after all, after all of this, I'm still not enough. So what did he say? He said, 
God, just, just kill me. Just let me die. Just let me die. Many of us, if we're really honest, really honest with ourselves, we will realize that we are paralyzed because we are triggered by defeated threats in our life. We no longer live in that abusive home. We're no, longer, we're no longer that little girl who longed for the affection of a father that she would never get. We're long since out of that house. And the father, the father, the father in heaven has reached down and touched our lives and told us exactly who we are. He's called us by name into our identity. I'm no longer that broken little girl who needs dad to pat me on the head. I'm no longer that broken little boy who in high school was made fun of. I'm no longer that person in a broken marriage. I'm no longer that person in that broken place of failure. I'm new. I've been made new in Christ Jesus. And yet, when the boss looks at me sideways, all of a sudden, something starts churning inside of me. When the husband gets home late from work, few times, all of a sudden, something starts churning inside of me. When the co-worker says this thing, something starts churning inside of me. And before I know it, I'm responding, not out of the place of confidence and assurance, not from the place of a settled identity, I'm responding as someone who's under threat. I'm responding as someone who's running for their life. I'm responding as someone who desperately needs to be validated, who desperately needs to be heard, who desperately needs to be seen, who desperately needs rescue. Instead of responding with the confidence and the power that's been in imbued upon me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Do you see the pattern? I'm triggered. I respond to the trigger. And then what happens is my response to the trigger, the trigger that was triggered because I believed in a God who are gods who had been proven wrong, in a defeated enemy having power over me, I respond to a trigger, and, and when I respond to the trigger, I respond in the defense mechanisms, the old worn path that used to exist in my life when I was under threat all the time. And, and, and then what happens is I start to treat the husband who's come home late from work a few times I start to treat him like my mom treated my dad because he was neglecting her, because he was cheating on her. I start to behave the way she behaved, the way I behaved back when I lived in that environment. I start to treat my boss like I treated the bully. And my boss is like, what? What are you doing? Why are you being that way? Why are you why are you behaving like this, Randy? 
then what happens? I create this cycle in my life where my behavior starts to trigger other people. My old path, that's not based on truth, it's based on distortion because this isn't real because the enemy's been defeated. God's already shown up. But my path starts to elicit a response from them. None of it's real. It's all distortion. It's in a way that reinforces my response. They start treating me like someone who's unstable. They start treating me like someone who's insecure. They start treating me like someone who can't be. They start treating me the way that my path says is true. And you know what that does? That convinces me that that path is true. So I just keep walking it deeper and deeper and deeper into my distortion further and further and further away from people and resources that call me into truth. Man, this is good stuff. When I'm feeling threatened and I'm being triggered, I've got to learn from what God did in Elijah's life. I've got to learn that it's time to be refreshed and not time to respond. Sometimes you got to stop. Some of us just need to stop. We need to stop thinking the way we're thinking. We need to stop acting the way we're acting. We need to stop behaving the way we're behaving. Some of us need a timeout. Did you ever, you ever get put in timeout? Hope they put me in timeout. They just beat my behind. That's what some of you are saying. It's a little less aggressive way of redirecting behavior. First Kings chapter nineteen, verse five. Then he laid down under the bush. After he said, "God, just kill me," he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head were some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat and drink for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. When you've been put under threat, your brain is wired for fight or flight. We actually have an amalgata that it is there. Its entire purpose is to cause us to respond to threat out of either fight or flight. And when we have been fighting or we've been fleeing for long periods of time, neural pathways are created and they become like old worn paths in our life. And many of us are triggered by minimal threats or by old enemies. And those old threats cause us to get on old pathways that lead us away from God's blessing. We don't realize that we've been wired that way. And when we have been when we've been wired that way, we've developed highly sophisticated psychological and physiological uh, uh, triggers, our responses, coping mechanisms that over time will distort our lives and keep us from believing the truth of what God has said about us. Listen, 
I am more prone to destructive distortion when I have allowed myself to get depleted. That's exactly what happened to Elijah. He had become completely depleted. Yes, he had experienced an incredible miracle. Yes, he had experienced he had experienced an incredible time in which God showed up and did amazing things which blew everybody's mind. And yet in a moment it all went out the window. It all went out the window over the threat from gods who had just been proven false. Doesn't make any sense. How did it happen? It happened because he was running on empty. And God knew he was running on empty. And so what did God say to him? Sleep, eat, rest. I love this part of the story because it reveals the character of God. Some of us are so stubborn and we've gotten into these patterns of distortion and we've ran from systems and people who love us and care about us, who will speak truth to us, who will support us. But notice God's grace and his mercy and love. He shows his character here, just like he's shown his character throughout all of human history. He chased us down. And when we came to the end of ourselves, he said, here I am. There's a reason, oh my goodness, there's a reason he's called the bread of life. There's a reason he said to the woman at the well, let me give you living water that if you drink of, you'll never thirst again. There's a reason that scripture has painted this picture of Jesus, that he is the one who brings us life and refreshing and renewal. We can run from him all we want to. We can enter into distortions that are all built around our insecurities and our fears and our brokenness. But even at the end of all of that, he's still there. And he's here today for you. He's here today for me. Distortion is defeated in our lives when we come to the end of ourselves. Elijah said, I have had enough. And he laid down and he went to sleep in God's presence had enough give me bread that just came out of nowhere that I didn't have to bake give me bread give me something to drink I've had enough I can't take it anymore I want you to stand with me all across this place there are many of us are at a place where we've just had enough. I can't take it anymore. My emotions are at level 10. My body, it's on empty. I can't take it anymore. There's things in my life, situations that I face that have got me taxed beyond my ability to respond. Next week, I'm going to talk about something very intimate in my life and Desra's life. I'm going to tell you the story of something I've been personally walking through. A few weeks ago, we were having a casual conversation with 
just making some observations and in our conversation we made a statement and it triggered me old stuff I'm going to talk about that next next week some of us in this room are triggered we've been triggered some of us in this room are responding to triggers and it's destructive and you're tired of it you've had enough today's the day I believe where the Lord has chased you down and has said it's time to just surrender it's time to stop just close your eyes for a minute Father I thank you for every person in this room Lord I know no matter how hard I try there's no way that I can express my level of concern and love for the people in this room the prayers you know the tears you know the intercession God where I'm not enough you're more than enough and God where I cannot go you go by your spirit so Lord I pray for every person that is here this morning may they sense presence of a living God who sees them exactly where they are and for those who are here who would say I have had enough I can't take it anymore I surrender Lord I ask you I ask you by your spirit come in like a flood and wash over every every thought distortion every old worn path every neural pathway God which may have may have actually been coping mechanisms or healthy systems at one point in our life to help us get through a season but have now become a curse to us Lord I pray wash over them by your spirit may we be people who are not triggered may we be people who are not responding when false threats from the enemy come May we be people who stop to nourish us to your rest. God, for those who need to rest, I pray may the rest of today be a tremendous day of rest. May some of these people go home and take the best nap they've taken in years. May some of these people go home and have the biggest Sunday lunch they've had in years. May their belly be so full not just of food, but of relationship, of family, of those who are around them, who love them and care about them. Oh God, I pray, nourish your people so that we might have strength for the journey. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.